Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in. We are live. It is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow with you on this Tuesday. Excited for today's show. Jonathan Hutton's going to be back with us tomorrow. Excited about his return as well. He's been doing some charity work with Logan Ryan down in Tampa. But Hutton will be back tomorrow. You got me today. You got a little sprinkling of Davey Hudson coming in here in a little bit. And we've got a great guest list for you on this Tuesday, including Michael McHenry, the fort. Talking all things Major League Baseball, we are eight minutes away from the start of the postseason with Major League Baseball. That's coming up soon. We'll talk about all the series coming up with Michael McHenry. We'll get into the latest with the Trevor Bauer saga also, which took a big turn today. We'll get into that with Michael McHenry. Josh Pate from CBS Sports, 24-7 Sports, coming up about one hour from now to talk SEC at 4.20 Eastern time. John McClain. One of the greatest. He's down there having some good old Houston, Texas barbecue right now. He's going to tell us about all the sauces that he's consumed. And he's going to tell us about the NFL that's coming up later. And then at 420 Eastern time, I can't do a Jim Nagy impression. He'd probably strangle me if I tried. Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, 420 Eastern time today. Great show for you. I don't know how you consume the show. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Twitter, If you're on uh, MySpace, if that still exists, I I don't know. Wherever you watch the show, we appreciate you. However you listen to the show via podcast, one of our fine radio affiliates, we appreciate you for tuning in today. But I have to open with an admission of guilt. I lied. I lied to you yesterday when I said we were reaching the conclusion of the Taylor Swift story across the NFL. My apologies. I thought we were done. I thought it was over. I thought we had reached its peak, and I thought the network's going to start backing off of their coverage of Taylor Swift. But I got to talk about it one more time, at least, for this reason. Sauce Gardner believes there is a vast NFL conspiracy against the New York Jets and any other team that faces off against the Kansas City Chiefs. Why? Because the NFL loves Taylor Swift, and they love the story. So much so, in fact that the NFL changed their bio on Instagram and X to saying that the Chiefs are 2-0 as Swifties. That's right. Now, they removed it from Instagram because of backlash, but it remains up on X, at least at last check. This sparked this response from Sauce Gardner, where he said in a retweet of this, maybe if I was a Swifty, the ref wouldn't have thrown the flag. Sauce Gardner deleted that post later. But Sauce Gardner also went to great lengths to explain to everyone, and of course the flag he's talking about was late in that game. It nullified an interception that would have given the Jets the ball and a chance to go down and win the game at that point. But instead, the Chiefs were able to work the clock. Patrick Mahomes gets a first down, slides down at the one-yard line. They kneel on the ball, game over, Chiefs win. Taylor Swift is happy. So the full text of what Sauce Gardner said about that play and about that penalty 
gives you more detail and nuance than you're going to hear from most players explaining why the official was wrong. Quote, since we are commenting, let me say it from my perspective. For starters, and he's responding to Patrick Mahomes, who said that he reached up and grabbed him in the neck, the, the receiver, and they're going to throw a flag, and that's why he threw it up for grabs, because he knew it was going to be a penalty. So Sauce Gardner says, since we are commenting, let me say it from my perspective. For starters, this was around five to seven yards from the line of scrimmage, not 15. Patrick Mahomes said it was 15. Two, I extended my arms, and he made the choice to lean on me with all of his weight, which caused my hand to slide down to the back of his pad, not his neck. I did not grab him. I actually made a conscious effort to remove my right arm, as you can see in the video. He then tried to swim with his right hand, and I pushed his arm down with my left hand. L-M-A-O. There y'all have it. It was not a holding. It was not a legal contact. Oh, my fault. It was holding because he threw the flag. Sauce is spicy. I'm not talking about the spicy barbecue sauce John McClain's having before he joins us. He's spicy about this game. He's spicy about that call. I don't blame him one bit for being spicy about any of that because I don't think it was a penalty. Now, in real time, I can understand why an official would throw it. Patrick Mahomes is saying, look like he grabbed him around the neck, and it does. Even in slow-mo, he puts his arm up. There's contact made around the line of scrimmage. It's not 15 yards down the field. But it's a very, very tough penalty to call on a game-swinging play the way it was. Very questionable at best. I don't think it was a defensive holding penalty. Sauce Gardner's mad. And the league is going to be mad now, too, because you've got an NFL star, even if you're joking around, claiming the NFL wants the Chiefs to win. Why? Not because they favor the Chiefs to win another Super Bowl, but because they love Taylor Swift. They love the attention. They love that she's 2-0 as a Chiefs fan as she is dating Travis Kelsey. We bring in Davey Hudson. Davey, when I first saw this, I thought, this is going to lead to a fine because Sauce Gardner is not going to be able to help himself. He's going to keep talking about this, and more and more people are going to start to act like the NFL actually cares about Taylor Swift. I know they care about her being a fan, but they care about the outcomes of games because of Taylor Swift. Uh, definitely going to lead to a fine, rightfully so, but I understand why Sauce did it. I don't blame him for doing it because, one, this is a good talking point. It also kind of deflects some of the blame off of his team, which we know is struggling mightily right now. We're going to get into some topics uh, or conversation later about Zach Wilson and some more things that, uh, about players coming to his defense. But right now, if you're Sauce, it's not pass interference. It's not defensive holding. It's, it's, it's not a penalty what happened. But, again, you look at it from the standpoint of they called it. You got to live with it. I understand why. I mean, I think that was the first time this year we've seen a coach get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Uh, and we saw that happen with Robert Sala after that fact. But, yeah, I'm tired of the Taylor Swift conversation. It's one that we're going to be hearing. I know there's not been co a comment on whether she will be in attendance when the Chiefs play the Vikings in Minnesota this weekend. But I'm ready for this to die. You talked about it yesterday, Chad. It's jumped the shark, but here we are again because it's back in the headlines after Gardner's most recent comments. Yeah, it's frustrating. I try to remove myself from it also because I, I'm an impartial. I'm not a Jets fan. I'm not a Chiefs fan. So when I'm watching a game like that, I'm watching for the story, but I'm watching for the dramatic ending. So I try to separate what I wanted to happen in that moment versus what should have happened versus what actually happened. What I wanted to happen was no penalty to be called and the Jets to have a chance, and Zach Wilson to have a chance to go win the game at home, right? That's what I wanted to see as a just standard NFL fan. 
So does that cloud my judgment on what should have happened there? Sure. But I try to think about that and remember that as I'm coming up with my opinion. And even removing that, I still think it was a bad call. Robert Sala thought it was so much of a bad call, he waited until the game was over and then went and got himself a 15-yard penalty by running down the sideline to scream at the official who made the call. And credit to him for actually getting the right official. He, he made oh, yeah. sure to talk to the one that threw the flag. A lot of times, somebody else is going to take the flag for a decision made by another ref on the field. But Sala made sure to get the right guy in this one. And he did. Um, the Giants didn't get anything right last night. I, I picked yesterday the Giants to win the money line at home. Davey brought up it was something like, what, 1-13 or 2-13 for Daniel Jones? 1-13 now, yeah. 1-13 is the record now because I'm convinced Daniel Jones may suffer from night blindness based on his record in primetime games at, at night. Uh, this was a terrible performance for the Giants. So much so, I'm watching the Manning cast last night, and when he throws that pick six to Devin Witherspoon that uh, effectively ended the game, th- there was a good 30 seconds of silence from both guys. Knowing their relationship with Daniel Jones and his college head coach, David Cutcliffe, for both of them, you could tell they were unhappy and sad for Daniel Jones. And now Giants fans are sad, too. I definitely feel for Daniel Jones in this situation because it's not like he's getting any help. They have no playmakers. The running back, Saquon's out. The wide receivers, a bunch of nobodies. And he took 11 sacks. 11 sacks. 11 sacks in an NFL game. Like, no offensive line should be that bad in the NFL based off parity and what you're able to do. And it's not like the Seahawks have an absolutely incredible defensive front. They're good, but they're not a top-five front. And so you look at that and then see what happened for the Giants in this one. It is just tough sledding all around, and there's a lot of questions for Brian Dayball to answer after what we saw last night. Yeah, we got people in the YouTube chat saying Giants' lack of dynamic offensive talent is criminal. Uh, Alab says, honestly, it's not Daniel Jones' fault. The offensive line is so bad. Um, Either way, uh, Daniel Jones is bad, too. He's responsible for three turnovers in that game. I have no clue what he's doing on the one throw uh, for the pick six there. Like, they had a chance to make it a one-score game. It was 14-3 to three at that point. They're five yards away from making it 14-10. to 10. And I think that was a first or second down play. And I'm not sure where he's throwing it. Easily picked off, headed the other way the, the, for the pick six. Witherspoon pick six, I believe, was second and goal. Yeah, so yeah, I, knew, I knew it was not a third or fourth down where you're trying to make something happen. Uh, bad, bad night for the Giants. It's been a rough two years for Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer has been completely excommunicated from Major League Baseball. He's faced allegations of sexual assault. He's been blackballed from Major League Baseball. He's playing professionally in Japan. We haven't heard from Trevor Bauer in two years. There's been lawsuits. There's been a countersuit from Trevor Bauer. Well, he broke his silence with some pretty damning evidence against his accuser. Here is the video that Trevor Bauer posted. Next victim, star pitcher for the Dodgers. A text Lindsay Hill sent to a friend before she ever even met me. What should I steal? She asked another in reference to visiting my house for the first time. The answer? Take his money. So how might that work? I'm going to his house Wednesday, she said. I already have my hooks in. You know how I roll. Then, after the first time we met, net worth is 51 mil, she said. Better secure the bag, was the response. Uh, but, but how is she going to do that? Need daddy to choke me out, she said. Being an absolute try to get in on his 51 million, read another text. Then, after the second time we met, former Padres pitcher Jacob Nix told her, you got to get this bag. I'll give you 50,000, Lindsay replied. Her AA sponsor asked her at one point, do you feel a tiny bit guilty? Not really, she replied. 
Since then, her legal team has approached me multiple times about coming to a financial settlement. But as I have done since day one, I refuse to pay her even a single cent. Uh, in August of 2021, Lindsay Hill's claims were heard in court. And during those legal proceedings, critical information was deliberately and unlawfully concealed from me and my legal team. Uh, information like this video, which was taken by Lindsay Hill herself the morning after she claimed she was brutally attacked, emotionally traumatized, and desperate to get away from me. Uh, and now we have the metadata, so there can be no dispute. Uh, it was taken mere minutes before she left my house on the morning of May 16th, 2021, without my knowledge or consent, of course. Uh, in it, you can see her lying in bed next to me while I'm sleeping, smirking at the camera without a care in the world, or any marks on her face. I think it paints a pretty clear picture of what actually happened the evening of May 15th and why the video was originally concealed from us. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, after hearing the evidence available to her, Judge Diana Gold Saltman found that Lindsay Hill had misled the court. She found her claims to be materially misleading. Uh, she denied her request for a domestic violence restraining order, and she found that no sexual assault or non-consensual conduct took place. Now, some of you might not know about restraining order hearings. I know I didn't, but uh, I've since learned that uh, it's extremely rare for a request for a restraining order to be denied because the standard of proof that you need to obtain one is extremely low. So you can make of that what you will. The fact is I was never arrested. I was never charged with a crime and I won the only legal proceeding that took place without my side of the story even being heard. Uh, and most importantly, as I've said from day one, I never sexually assaulted Lindsay Hill or anyone else for that matter. So I sued her, which prompted her to countersue me. Quite frankly, regardless of the outcome in court, I've paid significantly more in legal fees than Lindsay Hill could ever pay me in her entire life. Uh, and I knew that would be the case going in. But the lawsuit was never about the money for me. It was the only way for me to obtain critical information to clear my name. Uh, the discovery process in that lawsuit recently concluded, at which point uh, Lindsay Hill's legal team again came to us with another proposal to resolve the case. Uh, this time, however, they weren't seeking any money from me. Having received uh, much of the information that had been hidden from us, uh, a small portion of which I've referenced here, um, I was willing to agree to the terms proposed. Both parties would drop their respective lawsuits, and neither of us would pay either side any money. Uh, I also retained my right to speak publicly about the case, something I have not been at liberty to do since June of 2021. So, as of today, both lawsuits have been settled. Now, over the last two years, I've been forced to defend my integrity uh, and my reputation in a very public setting. But hopefully this is the last time I have to do so, as I'd prefer to just remain focused on doing my job, uh, winning baseball games and entertaining fans around the world. So today, I'm happy to be moving on with my life. So Trevor Bauer certainly keeps receipts, no doubt about it. And in the interest of sticking to our guns on this and being consistent, this is another example of why you need to wait to hear both sides of any story, especially with an allegation as serious as Lindsey Hills towards Trevor Bauer. I'll also say, I don't know that those are her texts. I assume they are, but I have not been able to research this and verify it, that what he's showing in the screenshots are from her. That video is pretty damning. That's clearly her in the video, taking a, a video of him when he didn't know about it, while they're in bed, she looked completely fine, contrary to her uh, accusation that she was assaulted sexually in some way that night. Uh, did not appear to be the case in that video. And here's the facts of it that I think really stand out in all of this. 
She's talking with her friend, again, allegedly, as long as that's her in the text, about money and this being about money. She didn't get anything out of this. Trevor Bauer said, I'm not paying her a dime, and he hasn't. They settled, and she didn't take anything. That tells me a lot. That tells me an awful lot, that once they got to discovery and she had to turn over cell phone evidence, that she was willing to walk away from this and settle without getting any money does not look good for her. None of this is good for Trevor Bauer. None of this. He's lost two years. The guy was a great Major League Baseball pitcher. Now he's pitching in Japan. Is he going to be back in Major League Baseball? Don't know. Are the people that automatically assumed he was completely guilty and wanted to throw him in jail, are they going to issue an apology? Probably not. Time will tell on what happens with Trevor Bauer. Michael McHenry is going to come on with us next. I'm going to ask him about this and how Trevor Bauer's thought of around the league and how that may have impacted some opinions of this case. Michael McHenry, the fourth, joins us next to talk Major League Baseball. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withbro across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We are back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network, and we're joined by one of our favorites, the Fort himself, Michael McHenry, on with us right now to talk some Major League Baseball Plenty of stories to get into, both on the field and off the field. But first, we welcome in and say hello to the fort. Mike, how are you today, man? I'm great. How are you? It's good to see your face. It's uh, it's postseason, right? I mean, it's a, it's a great time to be alive. But this is one of my favorite weeks of the sports year where you got the opening of Major League Baseball postseason. you got football and, and full-fledged conference mode for college, full-fledged right in the heart of the season for NFL Let's go. It's time to get after it. Um, Trevor Bauer got after it by showing some receipts today from some text messages, and he has been silent for two years in all of this. And I can't help but think that a big part of this and the reaction, people want to go immediately to, well, the media is this way or that, and I think a lot of that is certainly true. I also think that Trevor Bauer, from talking to people around the game, is just not a very well-liked personality. 
within clubhouses in Major League Baseball, and maybe that colored some of the response to all this as well. Uh, what can you tell us about Trevor Bauer, the teammate, the player, but also your reaction to what you saw today, which is if all is that alleged from Bauer is true is obviously very unfortunate uh, for him to be falsely accused of something this bad. You know, Chad, this is something when it all dropped, it, it was a case of he's guilty and he has to prove himself innocent. And that's not the way that our nation was built. It's not the way the judicial system was made. And it was sad. And the fact that he's been pretty much banned from MLB is, is uh, remarkable. And now all this comes out. Um, he proves his innocence. Um, he throws everything out there um, to a certain extent. And I think the fact that he didn't ask for, you know, legal fees back or any of those um, things, he just wanted to have a chance to tell his story to get his name back, to get his reputation back. But going to what you said is you, you look at who he was, he was a kid when he first came into this game and he didn't want to leave what he knew, what got him there. And he got a bad rap for that. Did he do it the right way? Probably not. Did he show respect? Probably not, but he grew up. And I think what he's done since his allegations has shown the growth in Trevor Bauer, you know, like him, love him or hate him. I've heard he's a great teammate. Looks like we may have lost uh, Michael McHenry there. We'll try to reconnect with him uh, on his Zoom feed. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, this whole deal with, with Trevor Bauer, uh, regardless of how you look at it. Um, and I, I think Michael might be back with us now. You froze up there for a happened. second, Michael. You were talking about he came in the league as a kid and was mm -hmm. immature and sort of how he handled himself early on. And that was always the impression I got when we'd interview you or other people around the game was that he just wasn't a very well-liked guy. And I think that kind of contributed to the initial response when these allegations were made. You're exactly right. And I think you have to give people some grace. You know, I believe in that. And, you know, he's grown up since he went to Japan. He said, I'm going over there. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to do the things the right way. He's done an absolutely outstanding job. He's pitching well, and he's very well regarded over there. And I think that shows the growth in him. Now we need to see the growth in MLB. We need to see apologies. We need to see people come out and say, hey, we got this wrong completely wrong and we are sorry there's not much we can do about it unless you want to pay him the 36 million dollars they took away from him if you want to pay his legal fees and maybe the two or three years of all the fans that enjoyed watching this guy pitch because he's one of the best competitors over the last two decades it's sad it really is i hope they fix this i hope there's some apologies and i hope they make sure that this does not happen again I'm with you. I wish we lived in a world where an apology would happen, but we both know that's not going to happen because an apology would open the door for Major League Baseball to possibly be liable for some of that lost salary, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers to be liable for that as well. So they're going to be silent on all of this. Here would be my question, Michael, that they're going to go silent and he's just going to lose that money. I think he said $36 million that he would have made. That That's not coming back. Um, is he at, at spring training with someone next year? Now that this is out there and this whole part of it is over, is he going to be playing with someone? I know there's another accuser in Arizona, though, that's out there that is not resolved. Is that an easy way for Major League Baseball to say we're still staying away? Or do you think that he pitches again in, in the bigs? I think he should. Um, and, and I think after today, I think there's a lot of teams that are rethinking. I mean, he makes a lot of teams better really fast. And you can see that pirate right behind me. You know, the Pirates could really use a guy like him, a guy that, you know, does things the right way when it comes to his work ethic, the way he gets after it, you know, in between his starts. 
and just his knowledge of the game. I mean, he was revolutionizing the game when it comes to a media standpoint. If you go to his YouTube, I mean, you're going to see a ton of followers. He does a really good job of putting himself out there. And it's something that MLB doesn't do as good as the NBA and NFL. So he was doing a lot of good for the game. Did he make mistakes? Sure. Haven't we all? But I think the fact that he's taken the last two years, he's shut his mouth, which is not who he's been in the past. He's a guy that's usually out in front of things. He's gone by the degree of the law. He's done exactly what you need to do to kind of recapture your name and make sure that, hey, this is who I am now. This is, you know, what you guys did to me, but this is where we're at. Let's move forward. I mean, I think that speaks volumes to where, he, where he's really grown up to be. Postseason is here. In fact, it's happening right now, top of the second inning. It's scoreless between the Rangers and the Rays right now. We got playoff series going on in the wild card round, Michael. Which of these wild card series most interests you? Honestly, the Twins and, and Blue Jays. I mean, you're talking about two of the better pitching staffs in all of baseball when you put down the numbers, but I, I think it's so incredible to think 2004 was the last time the Twins won a playoff game. You know, and then the Blue Jays, I, I think they've gotten a bad rap because they've been in the AL East for a long time. They're a really, really good team. And if they get hot, they can really make a move. So that's really interesting to me on the AL side. And I am really stoked about watching the Phillies and Marlins. Really stoked. Seeing those two teams just recently. Um, they're both, um, you know, managed well. There's a really good team aspect and culture in that clubhouse. And, you know, I, I got to give a little edge to the Marlins in, in the sense of Skip Schumacher's got something cool going on there. He really, really does. but. You can't bet against the fanatic. You just can't. I don't know if you saw his graphic up. He said, time to eat some fish sticks. So you got to love that. <laughs> so I also, I got to give you credit here for it because a week ago you said it was going to be over for the Cubs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was. Uh, they fell apart. They, they got swept by the Braves out of the postseason. They looked like they were in a great spot about two or three weeks ago, and they're not playing in the postseason. How disappointing is it for that Cubs organization? But when you look at what they have – and what they should have coming back. How optimistic can Cubs fans be about the future? They should be super optimistic. I mean, the Dansby Swanson signing and the Bellinger signing and just their their core group of guys and even the youngsters. I mean, they have some really, really strong, strong talent when it comes to the upper minor leagues. So I think they're going to be very good. They're going to be very good for a long time. Their plan, I think, is ahead of schedule. So Cubs fans and my family are huge Cubs fans, should be really excited but they're going to be in one of the best divisions in baseball over the next couple of years, in my opinion. I think the NL Central is going to be very, very competitive. St. Louis is not going to be knocked down very long. You know, the Pirates are really going in the right direction. Cincinnati's going in the right direction. And you have the Cubs and the Brewers. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they move forward. But, yeah, I think when you put yourself out there and you make it about you and, and you put blame on you know other teams saying they're not in your caliber and then you go lose to a team that's not in your caliber, you know, rightfully, rightfully done. Baseball gods spoke. Let's stay in the NL Central because I, you've got the Pirates logo behind you. That's a team you broadcast for right now. Could they be the next Orioles? If you're looking out on the horizon for the next Baltimore Orioles story that builds and builds and builds and then pops one year and is one of the best teams in baseball, could it be an organization like the Pirates and what they're doing? Yes, I think it's either going to be Cincinnati or the Pirates. You know, when you look at kind of the way they're kind of stacking assets. And I use assets as a word because they don't really see these guys as people anymore. The human element's slowly dying. They just see the uniform. So they have all these assets at the high minor league level. And they had a lot of guys get experience this year. So when you kind of put all that together and then understand that, you know, these guys are probably going to take a step forward, especially with, 
you know, the way the development is today, you know, they can really fast track development. I think you're going to see two teams take off and they're going to fight to the death. It's tough to argue with the results. And when you look at the Major League Baseball rules changes, there are people who are always going to be averse to any change and not like it. But when you see attendance across Major League Baseball, the game times are shorter. It's tough not to love the results of what happened this past season. Um, was this a grand slam for Major League Baseball, at least in year one, for what we've seen with the rules changes? Absolutely. Uh, it was definitely a, a kick in the sack to the umpires, though. Um, poor dudes just got a bad rap. As good as they are, they've got a terrible rap, and everybody's pushing for the robotic umpires, and I don't think that's the right way to go. I hope they do it differently and do the challenge system, which you touched on the head. That See, I'm anti-robot over human in all ways, Michael. I, I'm, I'm consistently with you on this. I like the idea of humans being paid to do jobs in our economy and not replacing humans with robots. I saw a buddy that had a latte served to them by a robot uh, here in Nashville recently, and I'm, I'm thinking I am not comfortable with this. I like people having things to do during the day. I like them having jobs and making money that way. I don't want robots to replace them. I'm that way with, with Major League Baseball umpires. Uh, except for maybe Angel Hernandez, uh, who I think a robot should <laughs> he's replace him. He's actually a robot. Chad, and, uh, he's actually a robot. Well, Bryce Harper like agrees that. with me. Uh, <laughs> rarely do you see a player just go all in on someone the way Bryce Harper did with Angel Hernandez. That might be the one guy who deserves the criticism. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he's not necessarily the worst. And that's the sad part. He just gets the most media because he kind of, you know, I guess deserves it. He He puts himself out there and does not back down. I mean... And it goes back to our first conversation, Chad. When you think about what these guys should do, just come out and apologize. I made a mistake. Wow. Right? That's what we teach our kids. Say sorry and apologize. These guys don't ever do that. They never get together and congregate with their other guys during the game. I mean, that Bryce Harper call, there was another call within that series where our catcher, a ball fouls off, off his foot, and he catches it midair, which is a strike three. And they didn't call it. They didn't get together. They didn't con congregate. They didn't question anything they didn't even look at the ball see if there's a scuff mark they just said i'm the umpire i'm right because this is such an easy thing for me to do i got twenty one thousand calls wrong this year when it comes to balls and strikes and they just need to take that and run with it i mean twenty one thousand sounds like a lot but these guys are in the 95 percentile every single game on average so these guys are special at what they do they pick a job that is just absolutely demeaned and never glorified you're only really seen when you do something wrong and they need to accept that. That's your job. You get paid very well for it and own up to it. Well, and you're, you're talking about the Cubs-Braves play where the ball was clearly fouled and mm -hmm. they called it a pass ball. That's <laughs> one where the, the human part, it's not about apologizing to me, Mike, as much as it is. I wish that another umpire would just run in quickly and just get in the guy's ear and say, hey, it, it hit the bat. Trust me on it. Promise you it hit the bat. And then allow that guy to change it and say the ball was fouled off. Right? I, I don't... I don't know why that's so frowned upon. I understand where you want to be confident in making your call. If you're an umpire, you don't want to show up an umpire on your crew if you're out there on the field. But to me, if I'm the umpire that blows it that way, I want one of my guys to help me out if I didn't see it and come over and correct me at that. I'm not going to be mad about that. I'm going to thank them for getting it right when I had it clearly wrong. Right? I mean, it, that seems pretty simple to me. And the, all the responsibilities a home plate umpire has – I mean, they have a pack on their side that tells them where the clock's at. It vibrates. They have a IFB in, just like we do right now, where we can hear, you know, people and, you know, whether it's the press box, New York, or another guy on the field, they have so much going on. And, oh, yeah, the best stuff, the hardest stuff, 
ever in the history of Major League Baseball. Let's call balls and strikes, call check swings, foul tips, and then, oh, yeah, every now and then you're going to get hit right in the face with a foul ball. You know, they have a lot on their plate. Own that. And I think it'd be really, really good for baseball and everyone else because, you know, if, if they can bring in these automated systems, they're going to. But I think Vegas is going to help us out, Chad. And, you know, that that challenge system is something that you can bet on. And I think that's going to be a huge hit. Hopefully they bring that in next year because I think it'd be a blast. And I also think all the fans out there, I think a really cool concept. I brought this up the other day is have a fan come out and umpire. You know, they criticize these oh, people gosh. so much. Have them umpire in spring training. If you get above 80%, you, you win a, you know, a prize. You know, or if you stay in there after you get hit with a foul ball, you win a prize. I think it'd be a blast. I, I Not even a prize. If you go in and you can get more than 80%, I wish it was almost – we need like the Vince Papali from Invincible, Mark Wahlberg, the, the man off the street to show up, try out, get his shot. And if he does okay, they put him in some sort of umpire training school and then they go into single a ball and double a ball and you get your chance to live out your dream of being a major league baseball umpire i i'd sign up for that what a reality right. show that would be to yeah, follow these wannabe umpires umpire. all the way through the ranks right i'd watch yeah. that every week it'd be great hey well, speaking yeah, of grind. speaking of reality shows uh the angels terrible into their season they part ways with manager phil nevin what's next for that organization hopefully sell the team I mean, it, it's kind of been on the back burner, but they just won't commit. I mean, you went all in, you, you, you tried your best and, you know, you hope for a lot of things and you've lost a lot of uh, respect from players. So Chad, when that happens, guys don't want to go there. Guys don't want to sign as free agents. I mean, you're already paying the highest tax bracket when you go out there, 15%. So they have to overpay to get guys to come out there and they're the second best team in LA. I mean, that's not a good feeling. So they have to do some dramatic things. I don't know if the owner will do that. A lot of those guys have, you know, hyper egos, but hopefully they do what's best for the city, what's best for the team, and, you know, you know, move on, really. Some big-time guys are saying goodbye to the game as players. We'll talk about those guys, and we're saying hello to the postseason. The Fort has his Major League Baseball postseason rankings. We're coming up back with all of that. That's next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. We're joined by Major League Baseball analyst, good friend of the show, Michael McHenry, at the Fort McHenry on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, all across social media. He's a man of many talents, and we got him on talking Major League Baseball postseason with us right now. But first, Fort, I got to ask you about some of these legends that are moving on. And I want to start with Miguel Cabrera. What a scene it was in Detroit on Sunday for his final home game. His kids are introducing him at the plate. Very, very neat to see that. And cool to see that he's going to be joining the, the Tigers in their front office now that he's retiring. And honestly, that's exactly how it should be. You know, guys that have been somewhere for a long time and their presence is felt across, you know, that stadium. Doesn't matter if he's walking in from a garage when he parks, you know, 
he has a presence that has an aura that not many guys will ever be able to feel. I mean, he's a legend in this game. I mean, <clears throat> I can go back to when he's a rookie and he's facing Clemens, you know, in the postseason gets that huge hit and it's a battle to the death. This guy has done some things that is really, really special. I don't know if we're going to see another, you know, player of his caliber um, for a long time. Um, just the way he was able to do it from such a young age, maybe Ronald Acuna who happens to be from the same country, but yeah, this guy is a special breed. He em embodies what childlike play is. And I, I think a lot of times we forget it's, it's play ball, not work ball. That's exactly what they say before the game starts. And this guy epitomized that every single day. I mean, he even signed his uh, first baseman, uh, his glove and put all of his accolades on it and gave it back to him. Cause he didn't have a first baseman's glove anymore. You know, he's been a DH mostly uh, the last couple of years. So yeah, just awesome stuff. His kids announcing him, just all the things they allowed um, to happen. I think the fan experience had to be remarkable. You had a great comp there with Acuna, who's also – he plays the game with such joy that you don't mm -hmm. always see. Great comparison with the two fellow countrymen with Miguel Cabrera <laughs> and Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, Adam Wainwright is – when I think about a pro's pro, the way he went about his business, that, that's one of them, uh, a Cardinals legend, also saying goodbye to the game. And also a country music star, which I, I wasn't aware of. I, I know Wainwright pretty well, and I knew he could sing. I didn't know that was an aspiration. Um, this guy – when you think about a shining light, um, everywhere he goes, it, it's it's Adam Wainwright. I mean, I remember when I got traded over to the Cardinals and eventually got called up. He actually came out, greeted me, and carried my stuff in, unpacked my bag, and you know, sat there and talked to me about life. It was it was remarkable. I mean, here here this guy is making over a hundred million dollars. You know, with his contract, he's taking my clothes out, my jock, and all this stuff, and hanging it up like he's a clubby because he was a servant leader, and I, I think. He's a big reason um, that organization has been so good for so long is because the people that, you know, they put around him always get better, whether it's baseball wise, you know, as a husband, father, it doesn't matter. This guy makes everyone better. Yeah, get you an Adam Wainwright. You don't let him go. That's for sure. The, the Cardinals knew that. Joey Votto also, the Reds knew not to let go of him and he stayed. Is he coming back for another year? Do you feel like he's got one more left in him, Mike, that he could possibly come back? with this young team and, and give it a go next year? 100%. He's back. I, I think he's going to have a huge year and then walk away. Um, and honestly, I won't put anything past Votto because he is so cerebral when it comes to his knowledge of the game and what he wants to do. If he puts his mind to it, he's going to do it. I mean, just what he did this year was kind of remarkable. And most people don't know this, but, you know, he really struggled out of the gate. He tried and forced the issue with his shoulder off uh, shoulder surgery. And he took himself out of play, sent himself to the minor leagues, figured some things out. And he was pouring into the young guys in the meantime. And then when he was, thought he was ready, he came back and that's all on him. I mean, you have 10, five rights. You can do a lot of different things once you get enough service time. And he literally took himself out of play for a while to allow these guys to play and to make sure he was going to make an impact when he was on the field. Can't wait to watch what happens uh, with that Reds team next year. Your Pirates also, you're right. That NL Central should be pretty exciting. And you know the Cardinals aren't going to go away for long. They'll be right back in the mix a year from now as well. The the Cubs is coming so close this year. That's going to be a fun division. The NL East was a fun division all year. In fact, they got three teams in the postseason, but it's not the three teams everyone expected back in the spring. Everybody expected Braves, Phillies, Mets, but it's Braves, Phillies, Marlins. Mets are the team left out, but they're not resting. They've gone and gotten the GM from the Milwaukee Brewers that built that roster into an overachieving group, 
and they're getting rid of Buck Showalter, who I know is very well respected around the game, Michael. What do you think about the changes that Steve Cohen has made with that Mets organization? I think Steve Cohen has learned what a lot of people learn that the buy sports teams is you have to learn the sport, you know, the ins and outs of the front office, you know, what it takes, what are some of the nuances to create this into a thriving business? You know, they, they so often get away from what they're really, really good at. And that's business. That's people. And they surround themselves with a lot of people that just say yes. And I think he decided that's not what he wants. He wants to win. He proved that with spending a a lot of money, almost a half a billion dollars when you put the taxes into account. I think he's doing a lot of good. And I think you just have to walk away from Showalter as much as you probably don't want to because you just need to turn it over. A lot of times when you make a GM change, you allow him to bring in a guy that he can really work with, conversate with. And you think about the age gap between the GM who's 38 or 39 that came over from Milwaukee to, you know, Buck who's, you know, in his 60s. It's, it's in a lifer. It probably wouldn't be very good. You have to have... Really good rapport between those two. Postseason going on. We're going to get to your uh, postseason rankings and, and go through some of those teams. But let's stay in New York. What about the Yankees? After this disappointing season, I don't know what they need to change, but it's clear they need to do something different to not have the same result next season. And we know the expectations in that city with that team are always going to be World Series or bust. What do the Yankees need to do this offseason? You, it's beyond me. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think their manager would make it much longer and they let go of the hitting coach right in the middle of the season. Like it's his fault that, you know, guys getting paid $300 million and hits under 200 and can't stay healthy. Um, I mean, that's the biggest thing I've seen with the Yankees. They can't stay healthy and the guys that, you know, should be performing at elite level aren't, and they've got to figure that out. They, they need to go younger. And I think they started that process. You know, they have a lot of old guys, but if you kind of mix and match very similar to what the Braves have done, you know, a good, core group of guys that are really young. You sign them to long-term deals. You have Aaron judge, you have Garrett Cole, you have guys that can make impacts. Now you just got to surround them with the right people and people that want to win. And that can handle that big stage. I mean, the big stage is very hard. You see a lot of guys leave New York and go absolutely ballistic. Their numbers just take off because that pressure, the media isn't on top of them every single day. They can go out and just play the game. They love. Postseason's here. And we've got the forts playoff power rankings for you. You mentioned the Braves and how they've gone about it, building their roster. That's led to incredible returns this season. Maybe the best offense ever. Tied the major league record for home runs in a season, but they're the only team in that group that's not from 2019 where the baseball was different. So edge goes the Braves in that category. But you've got the Braves number one in your playoff power rankings, Michael. A Dodgers number two. This is the series everyone wants to see in the NLCS walk, walk us through that decision to put the Braves slightly ahead of the Dodgers. I mean, the Braves are a different animal. I mean, I know a lot of them and, and a lot of the staff I either played with or, you know, they coached me, Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider. I've known him since he was a kid. They have a different animal over there. I mean, the way that they've come together as a group and it's hard to do. You, you think about all professional sports. It's very hard. You you watch NBA is the greatest example. You bring the greatest players together and they can't win. And you're like, what is happening? New York this year, what is happening? You have to have a heartbeat that, that works together. You have to pull in that string in the same direction. These guys do. And one thing that's different with them is they respect their elders over there. I'll never forget. I'm sitting with Sal Fasano, one of the coaches with the Braves, the catching coach. 
and does a lot of different things. Uh, he calls me Pocket Hercules. He's a big dude with the Fu Manchu. <laughs> if you've never seen him, you'll notice him as soon as you see him in the playoffs. But he grabbed Sean Murphy, you know, by the jersey, grabbed him over and said, you need to meet this man and pointed at me. And I'm like, this dude's an all-star. He didn't need to meet me. And he didn't leave until Sal dismissed him. You don't see that anymore. That's respect. That's awesome. he, he respected Sal. Sal was a backup catcher that fought every day for his life in the big leagues. Sean Murphy's an all-star. He doesn't have to look at him, but he doesn't look at him for what he did as a player. He looks at him for what he's doing for him as a coach. And that's what's different with the Atlanta Braves. And I think the Dodgers have a little bit of that, but I think the Dodgers years next year, you know, moving forward, I think they're going to be the best team in baseball. Does that pitching staff, the starting pitching rotation right now for the Braves, worry you at all, especially considering it's likely to be the Phillies? They're going to face you. You have the Phillies fifth in your overall power ratings. Not a great draw for the Braves, a team they lost to in the divisional series a year ago. How worried should the Braves be about that Philly series, especially given some of the injury concerns and problems with the starting rotation? It's all about Harper and Trey Turner. If those guys are hot, they should be very, very worried. If if they're not, I, I think they run through the Phillies. I think the Phillies have a good staff. They don't have a great staff when it comes to pitching. And, you know, in Philadelphia, you got to hit to win. I mean, it's a place that, you know, the ball really jumps out. And I think it plays the Braves advantage in almost every single way. So if Harper and Trey Turner aren't those, you know, lightning bolts, they've got problems because they have a lot of guys that are unpredictable in that lineup. They, they can really run through you if things go well. They have one of the better offenses all of baseball. But if those two aren't hot, which I'm sure one of them is going to be, it's going to be a different series. Here's my test for the balance of the playoffs and how the, the parity between these teams. Your last two teams, Diamondbacks 12th, Twins 11th. One National League, one American League. How shocked would you be if one of these two teams went on a run in this postseason? I wouldn't be, honestly. So uh, that means I, it's good parity, top it, to it, bottom. It, it is, it, because of the balance of, of these teams. I mean, the Arizona and Diamondbacks are a completely different team than everyone on the board. They're going to they're gonna beat you with really good at-bats, good speed, incredible fundamentals, one of the best defensive teams in all of baseball, and they can pitch enough. But they do everything well. They don't stand out when it comes to their power or anything like that, like a lot of these teams. So they're a different animal. So you have to completely game plan, you know, a completely different way when you play the Diamondbacks because they are a team that is different. I think the new rules have really helped that team. And I think they've really helped small markets. And then the Minnesota Twins, you have an angry, angry shortstop with the Twins. He had a bad year. He wants to prove himself. And this is a time he could really step up and make a name for himself and really put his names in the history books. I got to ask you, because Colin, our, our audio guy, is standing right here and he's sitting here with his Miami Marlins hat on. Uh, what <laughs> kind of chance do you give the Marlins of beating the Phillies? That's something I'd love to see. I'd love to see the as a Braves fan. I'd rather see the Marlins, the Phillies. No offense to Colin, but I'd rather see the Marlins, the Phillies. What kind of chance do they have against Philadelphia? I think you're seeing a start of of a dynasty possibly down there, but I I don't think they're going to beat the Phillies. I, I think the Phillies, especially in Philadelphia, is a different different breed. I mean, it's hard to play there, and as much as the Marlins have played there, they've not played in this atmosphere there, you know. And I think you've got to be ready for you know something you've never felt before because, you know, Pennsylvania in general, they seem to love winning more than most. And the way they show up is a different animal. So some of those young guys with the Marlins and the fact that they don't have two of their best arms, it's going to be really tough. 
Ryan Day had it wrong. It's not Ohio against the world. It's Pennsylvania against the world. That according <laughs> to Michael McHenry, the fort, he always gets it right. We love having him on, talking baseball with us. Thank you so much. I know we're going to get you back on before the end of the season. Uh, I think you may actually be headed to Nashville soon also, so we may have to work mm-hmm. in an in-studio visit at some point. Fort, always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate you. Hey, appreciate you guys. You do an absolutely outstanding job, the best in the business, in my opinion. Thank you. We paid him to say that, and we pay him well. Actually, we pay him nothing. We pay him with compliments, like he compliments us. Our next guest I can give a lot of compliments to, Josh Pate is going to join us when we come back. He's terrific with CBS Sports, 24-7 Sports. We're going to talk a lot of SEC. He travels every week during the season to different SEC stadiums for big games. Every game in the SEC is now shaping up to be a swing game with a lot of these teams. Seasons could be defined this weekend. Brian Kelly not looking great in year two at LSU, and it could look a lot worse by the end of October. We'll talk about that. I'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show as well. Who is the best team in the SEC West? Who knows? We thought Alabama might be dead. They're certainly not. They're in the mix for that. Has LSU completely fallen off? So many questions to get to. Also want to talk about the surprises of the SEC East. Which one is the better surprise, Kentucky or Missouri? And which of the two is more sustainable? Both off to undefeated starts. We're always undefeated when we can talk some SEC football, especially when we talk to SEC football with Josh Payne. He's coming up next. This is Outkick Hot Mike, and you're watching on the Outkick Network.